Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Traders of Money. Today we have the man whose name speaks for himself, Big Mr. Mark Holstead. What an absolute amazing conversation this was to really dive into what's helped him become successful, the little tips and tricks to resetting your discipline and really getting involved in the markets in a success mindset. So I'm not going to waste too much time. I'm going to let you guys go ahead and listen to this episode. If you did enjoy it, feel free to check us out on YouTube as well where we're live streaming every trading day. Enjoy guys and I'll see you soon. Mark, thank you so much for joining us on Traders of Money. It's an absolute pleasure and privilege. You've been an active trader in US equities and indices since 2001. You were the host of the successful YouTube channel UK Spread Betting and the creator of Traders Mindset. Not only where do you find the time, but I really want to dive into where the motivation come on. So let's go back to the very, very start, 2001. What did Mark do? How did you find the market? Why was it interesting you? Why did you get into it? Yeah, first of all, let me just correct you slightly. It's Traders Mastermind, which is it's similar. Oh, I get it. I get it. I should maybe should do something more exciting, more interesting name. But yeah, Traders Mastermind, free daily email podcast and, and, and community. But yeah, ask it, to answer your question. So 2001, I was a university student, right? I was doing engineering. I thought that was the pathway. I thought that was it. Yes, I'm going to do engineering. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but it sounds pretty good, right? And I got interested in the stock market because a friend of mine said, hey, I, I buy the penny shares. I was like, well, how do you make money? And so long story short, I bought some shares, small amount of shares, went back to check them. I was up like 700 pounds. I was like, this is the way forward, man. All these people working in bars and Tesco's and stuff. Nah, look at this. So that was really the, my first ever trade. If anyone's listening to this from the UK, Energis, you've probably got to be 40 years plus old as well to know that. But this is the company I bought. And that just got me in the bug, really. I was like, okay, I need to look. I'm interested in the stock market. So fast forward a bit. Let's not go through every single iteration, but fast forward a bit. I kind of got into short-term trading. And that was when when short-term trading was really in its infancy in terms of technology. You really didn't, you were on the phone before and it was an old boys network, city club kind of thing. But it was just starting to break through. And when I say online, it was really a case of you hit a button like to by the footsie it would automatically send a message over like some messenger chat and says hey i'd like to buy the footsie and a dealer at the other end would go sure this is the price this is and the spread was mm. ridiculously wide and anyway <laughs> uh, you know it was it was it was it was fun i kind of really enjoyed the uh, the challenge of it um and sort of long story short i ended up doing it very very actively and i kind of stayed in and i was doing much more trading and learning and improving and the final year of university i went up to the, the kind of well, the guy's name who runs the thing, the, the university leader thing, or whatever his name is, I said, "Hey, can I, can I, can I split my final year into two years? I re- I'm involved in this trading. I want to do trading." So, I did finish my degree but over two years, and I was trading part time, and I was doing the degree part time as well. So, that got me into it. I really like the short short term nature of trading, um, and I really just liked the the, the kind of never ending puzzle and never ending challenge, and just thought, "Hey, I could see myself doing this." And yeah, fast forward, whatever that is, 22 years, still here. <laughs> yeah, 22 years later, do you still see it as a never-ending puzzle? It is. I love it. I just love it. There's nothing better, right? It is never-ending puzzle. I mean, we were talking a little bit before we before we hit record about just you know stuff going on at the moment, the, uh, all this stuff with bank runs, and then before that, we've had COVID, and we've there's always something to decipher. Um, 
and the market's ever-changing. Yes, there's patterns that repeat themselves to some extent, but it, it, it's never solvable. And what I really like about it is the constant progression. You know, you really have to work on yourself. And I'm a, I love that. I love that kind of peak performance thing and, and personal excellence type type approach to life in general. And maybe that's been forced on me by being a trader. Perhaps I wouldn't say that if I was another profession, but I like that. And so it just fits my personality. I like I just like everything, everything about the game. But you maybe ask that question to me if I had a down quarter. You know, they might, might not have the same answer. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So what what led to, obviously you, you've, you've made a very early success, um, at least a little bit, enough to, to capture you in and be like, oh, this might be possible to, to pursue. Um, this was back in the days, as you mentioned, as, as phone calling. So technical analysis really wasn't as prominent as what we see in modern day today. Do you find that that had an influence on how you trade? Are you a technical analyst? Are you a fundamental analyst? How do you go about picking your investment decisions? And has that changed over the 20-year period that you've been trading? Yeah, I mean, it was just coming to the forefront. They were just able to subscribe to very expensive products that would provide you with some kind of charting. And so I just got into it straight away. I missed. I just missed the kind of dot-com boom. And a lot of guys had made a lot of money or on paper at least anyway, and then lost a lot of money. And there was a lot of guys who were kind of interested. So that was still there. Um, and so I used to go on like bulletin boards and there was a very, very basic charting available there. Or you could pay for like a premium. I think it was something ridiculous, like 300 pounds a month, which is ridiculous considering what you get now for your money. So technically, it was there. It was there. You had the basics, you had basic indicators, you had like stochastics, moving average, averages and all that type of stuff. Um, and I actually went on a course in London, a physical course we sat in a classroom and i'm there and i'm kind of listening and i remember just being in awe of this thinking wow is this the keys like i remember i distinctly remember this guy talking about stochastics overbought and oversold and i was thinking well that's it that's all i need to do right just need to wait this is overbought and then sell it and i thought a genius well i could just sit here and swing on my chair like a kid now for the rest of the day um and of course we know how wrong that was but um you know i think i've always been a technical trader to some extent but i really early on realized that if everyone's doing this, this isn't going to work. I need to think a little bit deeper about it and understand why price is moving, have a real feel for supply demand shift, have a feel for the emotions in the market. Um, and then I actually went into going into level two and level two became available to retail traders. Loads of hoops to jump through to get it. It was ridiculous. But then I was much more looking at order flow and how the algorithms were working, the sort of early algos were moving back and forth, and they were quite easy to spot and see how they were moving because relatively new. And so I could became much more of a short-term order flow trader. And charts kind of were there; they were there on my beige CRT monitors. They were they were there, but I wasn't kind of looking at them so much. I was really focused on this level two screen um, and developing that type of order flow technique. Mm -hmm. And and you still trade the same today? You know, not so much. Like I, I did that for many, many years and I was really focused on tape and tape was my thing and watching order flow and short-term order flow. But as I kind of progress in my career and I move further on, I think, okay, the type of trader I want to be in the next five years, 10 years, isn't one stuck in front of the screen. So I've really, the last sort of five years or so, I've tried to spread my time frame a little bit. I've tried to use the short-term edge that I believe I've got from all that screen time use it to enter a trade. And then if it, it's a day trade, it's a day trade. But if I can hold it maybe a little bit longer, a couple of days, then I'll try to do that. 
Um, but I'm nowhere near as kind of aggressive and inactive and looking at kind of all the... And it's the game's changed, Jordan, right? When, when I st- first started looking at level two, it was an easy read. And I can say it was easy read because looking back on it now, it wasn't easy read. It was brand new. The algos were new. Everyone didn't know what they were doing to a certain extent. US was a little bit further ahead than, than the UK. But even that, you could watch like the Axe Market Maker on NASDAQ. And we'll, it was much easier flow. Whereas now... You know, it's wild, right? If you look at a price book, an order book, it's wild. And I'm not saying you can't get a read from it. Absolutely you can. And but it's a different it's a different animal. And I think that, you know, being that type of trader, the edge is much, much less. It's still an edge if you choose to do that, but it's very intensive, it's very hard work. Um and so naturally just as I progress as a trader and I want to kind of improve my trading and develop um, I stretch my time for a little bit. I do find myself defaulting back to intraday because that's my comfort zone. That's what I'm good at. So it has been, you know, if I'm honest with you, it has been one of my bigger struggles is to try to extend my time frame a bit, try to hold things for a little bit longer, try to get bigger positions on, hold those longer, work with those bigger positions uh, and not get sucked back into you know, failing a pre-NFP spike or something, which I could can't help myself sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I, I understand that completely because I'm I'm running through the, a very similar transition effect at the moment in in that aspect of um, my fundamental analysis and my day trading are two very different things. So I'm really working on trading my fundamental side of things when we're looking the COVID, the war, SVB going under, interest rates going through the roof, all these things are, are very tradable opportunities. So I'm I'm going through the same thing. But as I said, I get in the positions and I'm a bit like, well, <laughs> you know, if this was a day trading position, I, I'd get out here. This is this is a great little exit. So I understand that completely. We'll come back to how you balance that in a moment. Let's go back to to becoming a trader and, and generating the success which you have. So you went into a, an in-house course or, or a firm i'm assuming maybe in london somewhere yeah it was literally uh you know an, an educational service they're offering um i went in and it was a little classroom there was about six or seven people in there two-day thing and they just taught you all about charting and technical analysis which was you know fine and it was interesting just to see i didn't know anything man i just did you know i just didn't know a thing yeah. i remember like I, I didn't even know kind of here's his embarrassing admission and you get a bit of a scoop on this. This is how stupid I was and how green I was. I didn't know what long and short meant. I thought that short meant short term. And so when I heard <laughs> someone say they're going short, I was like, well, that suits me because I want to make quick money. <laughs> so this is the, and of course, you know, I, I can sit here and say that because it's funny. Um, yeah. But the information, there was no, I mean, now we've gone a full circle, right? So much information out there is just flooding you and you've almost got to be a, you've got to be a filter. Back then I was just thirsty, books, you know, going on these, 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 these in-person courses. Mm-hmm. Um, the internet was just, God, I sound like a dinosaur. I'm not, but it's the internet <laughs> just kind of going, you know, it was just flowing. You know, it was like back in, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's changed massively over the years. So yeah, did that, got the bug for it. And then, you know, managed to open myself uh, a leverage account, like a CFD account, spread bet account before I'd just been trading in shares. Um, and yeah, just got just got stuck in and, and promptly lost a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds uh, that sounds right. <laughs> that sounds about right. So what obviously it sounds to me like you're predominantly self-taught. Okay, so you might have pulled information from wherever you can, but at the end of the day, and, and it's kind of the way that all traders generate the point of, of sustainability anyway is they pull everything they've learned together and build their own system with themselves 
what were the key or was there any standout resources which really elevated your performance or really like kind of gave you that smack in the face like oh my okay that's the that's the way to go yeah do you know there was it was so limited i remember reading the market wizards books and being really like wow look what's possible look at you know this is my first insight into people you know pulling in serious money and thinking oh you know what before my objective was just to make a living thinking hey if i can do this it'd be far better i'd love to do this sit here and if i can just make make a living and i can put some fuel on a motorbike and i can buy a domino's pizza now and then i feel like i made it that was my <laughs> my kind of thinking right um mm-hmm. but then open my eyes to kind of the possibilities of, of the whole thing so the market wizards books and there's a couple of the traders who i'd started to chat to via skype and and like a messenger service msn messenger i don't even know if that's still going but two of them which is it still going is it i don't know <laughs> i don't know but i remember it i remember <laughs> it clearly a little green icon guy like a little little pawn from a chessboard yeah uh anyway yeah so i, I chatted to these guys as well and they were they were older than me and they they'd be trying to trade it through the dot-com boom so they were a little bit more seasoned um with the market and so i you know i learned a little bit from those guys as well and I, really i mean it was self-taught and it was a rough ride and it was tricky and it was um the long way around because I just didn't have really the resources back then. I'm not kind of making excuses. And maybe if I'd had the resources today, I'd have still taken the same amount of time to kind of get the traction. But um, yeah, there wasn't really, you know, anything, anything specific as such, apart from say the market wizards books and having these two guys to kind of sound some ideas off. Mm-hmm. Go, going on that, if you were starting out today with the mass amount of information you can get, whether it's correct or whether it's incorrect, we know what the markets are like out there at the moment. What advice would you give to someone who's just looking to get involved, who who, who just made $700 on a penny stock uh, and is like, oh my, okay, this could be an opportunity, who want to learn the same way you did 20 years ago? What would you say? That is a really good question. Do you know what I would say to someone, and I'd be honest with them, I, I would say, listen, first of all, ask yourself the question why you're getting involved in trading. Right? If you're getting involved in trading because you love it, you love the markets, then you go for it, man, and you just enjoy the ride. It's going to be bumpy, but enjoy the ride. If you're getting involved because you just want to get rich, consider doing, consider all your options. Be pragmatic and go, hey, that's a really tricky way to go. Is there another way to go? But let's assume you want to get into the role in, in trading because you love trading, which is which, which is what I did and presumably you. I would say, right, consume a load of stuff. Don't trade, just consume and find out the type of people that resonate with you. Just find out the type of style that resonates with you. Don't put any capital at risk yet. Just flood yourself with loads of information. It's going to be confusing. You're not going to know what's going on, but you'll start to develop an affinity with this person, with that person, with this, that, the other, and you'll start to get a feel for where you fit in the trading ecosystem. You know, are you a swing trader, are you a day trader? What? And you've got to kind of trust your gut on this. You don't know, you're not putting trades on yet, but you start to get a feel for where you fit. And then just go, right, let me get rid of everything else. I've got an idea. I'm going to commit to this. And I'm going to write a plan of action. I'm going to say to myself, okay, I want to let's say I want to day trade the NASDAQ, for example, right? You've decided you're going to do that. And then again, it's just based on gut at this point in time. You're following maybe a couple of people, listen to a couple of podcasts, you know, you've got your, your kind of group, if you like, of virtual mentors, even if you're not paying, if you're just getting free content, that's fine. And then saying, right, everything else go away for now. I don't want to cloud my cloud, any judgment. I don't want to add any extra noise. 
and then just come up with a kind of rough plan what you're going to do for the next month, two months, six months. And really rough and don't have any expectations on your results, but just say, hey, I'm just going to trade support and resistance plays on the long side only on the NASDAQ for the next week. And then after that, I'm going to add some short ideas in. Then after that, I'm going to study one indicator. Then after that, and so plan out a little bit your journey, but be very, very mindful that, hey, don't have any expectations to make anything initially. If you go in there with the expectation of, hey, I just want to learn. And, you know, I'm a big advocate of of trading live money. Again, it's not recommendation or anything, but live money, but very, very small. So by all means, use a demo, utilize a demo, get to you know the platform and all that other stuff. I think that's a good idea. But as soon as you can, get some skin in the game. But a very small amount. The, you know, the brokers now, you can do almost nothing, right? But get some skin in the game and just say to yourself, hey, six months of just soaking myself in the market in the environment, understanding how the market moves, writing down things, writing down observations, writing down what happens on trend days, what happens on rotational type days, what happens when there's news involved, what does economic data do to stuff, and start to bring in things to develop a little bit of a game plan. And then after that six months, you'll know what you're good at, what annoys you, what doesn't annoy you, what you're bad at, what needs work. And you've got a rough idea of where you then can can head. And so the plan is starting to formulate. You know, I think that the biggest challenge that most traders face is they start out and there's so much stuff and they go, oh, that guy seems to be making money shorting gold. That guy's trading calendar spreads. That guy's scalping. That guy's this. And and what happens is you get this sort of strategy fairy come in. You try something for a little bit and it's not working and you're like, oh, it's not working. I thought it worked. Ah, oh, something else over here. Let me go over and try that. When in reality... If you just focus on your little area and you just get really good at that, there's more than enough in there. We're in this big pool, right? Massive pool. And you can have your little area in the pool that you can guard and become a specialist in. You can know everything about that little area. You don't have to swim around the whole pool. Let everyone else do that. We're nowhere near as capitalized. There's the brightest minds out there who we're competing against. But there's enough opportunity in maybe some short-term movement or something to become a specialist in. And that's the name of the game is to have a long-term vision of becoming a specialist in something, whether that is reading short-term order flow, whether that's reacting to some sort of catalyst event, whether that's jumping on trend days, whether that's after earnings, if you're trading, whatever it may be. Um, uh, but, but, the, but the biggest thing would be, hey, listen, for the first six months, have no expectations. You know, just expect to learn, just like if you were doing anything else. And then you might have to do another six months and another six months and another six months. But that that approach would be how I would how I would absolutely recommend you know someone someone do it. Fantastic, yeah. It's a it's a, a tough industry to to walk in knowing nothing, uh, and we know that because we've we've gone on the journey of having to learn what long and short means, and uh, then get it as, as you mentioned. Nine times out of ten, people that get into the game early, early, early doors, you're going to lose money. Um, and sometimes, well, I believe sometimes you've got to feel that pain uh, in order to to progress and learn from that. Let's let's talk about success for a second here, because personally, when it comes down to trading, I don't see profit and loss as a factor within success. I see how we manage positions, how we take opportunities, how we manage risk that is my measures of success i want to get an idea you do a lot of work on mindset obviously we trade as mastermind 
you're really talking about this and I've seen some of your content out there as well where you talk about this mindset. How do you measure success as a trader? Are you similar to me? Do you still look at, at P&L? How do you have some of your, your mentorees measure success? How do you go about that? Yeah, you know, I think to a certain extent, you're, you're right. At some point you have to go, hey, it's my process, it's my habits, it's how I execute. And that that's important. But ultimately, you know, we have to be honest with ourselves. The reason we're in this business is to make money, right? We want to make as much money as we possibly can with the least amount of risk possible. So at some point, that does become a metric which we which we look at. And we look at the end of the year and go, hey, did I do better than last year? I did, great. You know, did I kind of achieve some of the things I wanted to? Uh, maybe this, maybe didn't do that one so well, maybe did, did that's fine. So on a longer time frame, I think the, you know, the P&L is what matters, right? It's why we're in this business, why we're doing it. But you're quite right in the... You can't just keep looking at PL all the time because if you're looking at PL all the time, you are going to have your emotions move from high to low and you're going to make poor decisions. And if you anchor your um, worth and identity on your short term PL, you're going to have a very rough ride because if you say, hey, my worth as a trader is staked on my next call on the DAX and you make it and you get it wrong, you're like, oh, well, am I, am I a trader? Can I be a trader? Of course you can, right? So, yeah, I think that, yes, p is important. But then if you look at someone who does, let's say, you know, someone does 800 grand a year, someone else does a million, are they better? Well, it depends how they got there, right? If that person who does a million a year is swinging all over the place emotionally, had a massive drawdown, I'd rather have 800 grand than go, you know what, I can build on that for the next year. I can do 1.2, I can 1.5, rather than the guy who's making a million. So it comes down to, yeah, your habits, how you conduct yourself intraday, Intraday, well, day to day, kind of, you know, the terminology coming out of the trader, but how you conduct yourself, right? Your habits, do you treat this professionally? Are you doing a pre market checklist? Are you journaling correctly? Are you kind of working on things after trading? Or are you not just a button monkey, you're clicking buttons and then going to sleep and then kind of clicking buttons? Or are you kind of doing some work on your, yourself? You know, all this stuff, I think that's where you should, should, should mark success and say, okay, hey, listen, the last month, I was really struggling with X, Y, Z, whether holding positions or breaking rules, whatever it is. This month, I'm, I'm far better. You know, I've done this. So that's that's growth. That's growth. And for many traders, let's be honest, right? The first few years are rocky and, and you struggle to make money the first few years. And so you have to look at another metric to keep yourself sane. Otherwise, you're like, hey, my equity curve is going lower. I'm getting worse and worse and worse. But you're not actually because it takes a while for the equity curve to kind of flatten out and then suddenly start rising again. And if you give up before that, which is what most traders do, they run out of patience, they run out of capital, then you never get a chance to see, you know, actually the fruits of your labor. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Jordan. It's, it, it's you know, success is, you know, how you stick to your plan how you conduct yourself, your risk management. That's a very good short to medium term uh, way and litmus test of looking at, at success. Because if you do that for long enough and you stick to that plan and you do those right things, then the P&L will follow. It'll always, na almost naturally, you're doing the right thing, doing the right thing month after month after month. You look around and you go, whoa, hang on a second, my, my P&L's at a high watermark here. Great. Uh, you know, whereas if you're fo so focused on P&L all the time, it's yeah well we've all done it right we've all done this we've all been focused on pnl and it never ever ends well because the emotions are just attached to it we can't it's very difficult to disconnect yeah yeah no 100 percent, i agree there and, and that's why i mentioned because i found one of the big shifts in my journey was learning to pat myself on the back essentially and you can't always do that through pnl because sometimes you can make 
every right decision. But if the market doesn't want to deliver, it doesn't want to deliver. It's part of the game. We run risk management. So um, learning to, to kind of congratulate myself on that process success was that correlation effect. All right, let's just focus on doing everything right. And then six months down the line, I woke up and I was a bit like, oh, look at these returns. I'm like, I've never hit these returns before. This is this is incredible. So I want to get your idea on that. Let's Let's go into emotions with trading. How you've already mentioned that you find yourself falling back into that intraday pit when you're looking to hold trades a little bit longer. What is your, how do you control or, or at least stay disciplined to stick and, and do you ignore, do you incorporate your emotions? What's your process in, in how you go about that? Yeah, I, I've become very self-aware over the years and purely because if I'm not, I take a hit. You know, if I if I if I trade from a, from a, a perspective where I'm I have an emotional bias or there's something going on in my brain, I just can't operate. And I know that I've got a negative expectancy if I'm trading for emotion. And so, you know, I'm just very very aware of how I'm perceiving things in the market. How am I perceiving my current performance? How am I perceiving the market movements? Am I perceiving it as a threat or a missed opportunity, or am I perceiving it as setting up a further opportunity? And often that's a quick snap judgment, right? You might see the market suddenly ripping off and go, oh, I've missed it. I've missed it. No, 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 no. That's a really bad way of looking at things. And it's human nature. But if you can step back and say, hey, actually, you know what? That's an opportunity. The market's moving. There's some volatility there. I can position and be strategic and anticipate the next rotation, the next sequence. Am I going to buy this pullback here? Am I going to look for exhaustion? How am I going to position? Um, so, yeah, I'm very mindful about yeah my emotion. I'm very I'm mindful about how I'm perceiving market movements, how I'm perceiving my performance. Do I think I'm the I'm the greatest god ever because I've made a ton of money that quarter? Hey, that's too much. Or do I feel concerned? You know, how and putting things back into perspective and being very pragmatic, going again, dropping down to your habits, your standards, going through the same thing you do every day. Um, you know, and, and discipline wise, people who've heard my podcast know I go on about a cold shower, I've done cold showers for years. Um, and that is me having that internal voice every morning going, you don't really need to have that cold shower, do you? You just go, yep, bang. And the reason you do that is because intraday when you're trading, you're about to do something and there's a little voice that says, oh, maybe I'll take those profits. Oh, you know, no, no, I'm sticking to the plan. So it's a constant work in progress, right? I, it's, it's doing something constantly to exercise the dis discipline muscle have some form of discipline outside of the markets because you can't be a slob outside of the markets and expect to perform, you know, inside of the markets. So just elevating yourself as a, as a, as a person, um, and elevating your standard, because if your standard is high for yourself, then you're not going to break rules. You're less likely to break rules. You're less likely to fall into the trap of, of doing stuff just because you're seduced by volatility or some or something's come up and you've got in, enticed by it. You're going to stick to your, your your guns. You're going to step back and go, well, hang on a second. Let me. What am I supposed to be doing? And so it's just that, you know, constant audit. You know, constantly auditing how you're feeling um, and recognizing, hey, am I feeling? What? How? How is that going to impact my execution? Is it going to negatively impact my execution, or is it going to positively impact my execution? And we've all been in a situation, right, where we've we've done something. We've kind of all of a sudden we've come round and gone, whoa. I've done a massive amount of damage to my account. How have I done that? You know, and, and we don't want to get to that situation. You want to be attacking that before you get there and go, hey, I'm annoyed that I missed that. I got stopped out on that first opening drive. I didn't do so well yesterday. I've just done this. Da, da, oh, I want to get my I want to get the money. And, and when you start feeling that, you've got to be able to be self-aware. 
So it's like having that, you know, bird's eye view of yourself, looking down and going, hey, how am I, how am I thinking? What am I thinking about? Um, and just, just that, it's a skill that you learn over time just to audit your emotions constantly, be kind of checking, double checking, and, and being okay with not doing anything. You know, many traders are very uncomfortable with not trading and you've got to get comfortable with going, okay, you know what? I'm just not feeling it today. I'm annoyed at this or that lather. Let's come back tomorrow because I don't want to do any damage to my account. And that becomes less and less as you go through your journey. Um, but it's something definitely as a newer trader to be very, very aware of. I love I love that cold shower trick. I love that that outside completely away from trading, but using the same muscles as you mentioned, that build that discipline muscle to bring into trading. Absolutely love that. I've never heard of that one before. Uh big fan of that one. Big fan. Yeah. Well, you know, you know the thing is it's, it's you know, I get some stick for it because I and it's a bit of a running joke, but the thing is, forget the health benefits. There are health benefits, right? That's a bad bonus. But you've always got that internal voice. Not always, but as you get used to it. But you don't want to have that you know, nice warm shade. I don't have it on full cold. Well, you negotiate. There's a negotiation going on in your mind. Whereas you take charge first thing in the morning of that negotiation and go, no, I said I'm going to do the cold shower. Bang. And you smash it onto full cold. That's you taking charge of that inner chimp, if you read the chimp paradox book or whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it, that inner voice that's just trying to get you to do stuff you don't want to do and try and take the easy path. If you take charge of that voice early on in the day, then in the trading day, when he comes up and says, oh, you know, take the extra trade, give it a bit more room, all those other things that we know, you are already on the front foot. You've already taken control of it. And you said, no, no, I'm conducting myself in this way. I said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do it. And so, yeah, cold shower is one thing. You know, there's all sorts of other things you could you can potentially do. But discipline, I think, is a muscle. You exercise it, exercise it, exercise it. It becomes far easier to stick to your guns and your rules when you've got a lot of pressure on, which, you know, we do have sometimes in the markets. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Let's. You, you mentor a fair fair amount of people. You you help traders achieve what what they want to achieve and get to where they want to get. What are the common mistakes? Maybe you've even fallen down in your journey in trading. What are the the common mistakes or the standout mistakes which you see majority of people fall through? Oh gosh, I mean that's a big question. <laughs> it, it, it is a big question, and and I think. Most of us know this and most of the listeners and, and viewers will know this. And and I would say to you that before I kind of give the answer, if you've heard this before, there's a reason you've heard it before. And if it resonates with you and it stings, then do something about it. If it if all I say is going to sting, you're like, well, what's it? Then that's, that's aimed at you. I'd say, again, emotional attachment to results, emotional attachment to the market, how you perceive the market. I'm not sticking to a, a, a trading plan. You're being poorly disciplined, um, not not having adequate risk management, and then another big one is just over trading when there's no edge, just getting involved when there's when there's really no or there's not your edge. Now there's always opportunity, but you going to operate in your lane and be the best you can be in your lane, and so that just sometimes means sitting on your hands. And the default should be no trade. Like, hey, this is how I operate. These are the setups that I look for. This is the type of environment I look for. Get involved then. So yeah, over trading, not got constantly being involved in the market. We don't have to be, and being very aware of sticking to your rules, not over not overriding your risk rules because if you do that, then you're just deadly. You know, I, I, I did something a video ages ago called land. You're, are you a landmine trader? And what I meant by that is many people are walking through a field of landmines and they get away with it and think, yeah, I got away with it today because you maybe went heavy red, you came back and you ended up green. You got away with it. 
but you won't get away with it constantly. So you have to have your risk dialed in. And that's uncomfortable. That's an uncomfortable feeling when you're in that moment, you've hit your loss limit and you have to walk away. Every single fiber in your body says, just take another trade, just take another trade. Because if you take another trade and you make some good money on that, then the feeling of loss and all that will go away. That's what you think. But in actual fact, the hardest thing to do is to go, no, I've hit my loss limit. I'm done for the day. I'm walking away. And the more you can exercise that, the more disciplined you can become. So building a profitable strategy, of course, or generating or having a few strategies that are have a positive expectancy, keeping your discipline in check, understanding where your emotions are, recognizing your strengths and weaknesses, and you know, sticking to a plan, logging your results, just 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 being just acting like we know we should act. Just just taking this thing seriously, treating it like a business, being professional. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask what's the best way to avoid these, but not only did you just list them, but it also, it, it feels like they're heavily correlated. I mean, discipline, self-awareness and work ethic. That they, they were the three main things I just got from you. The trading plan, you got to put the work in, willing to do. I always say to people, if you have a full-time job, there's going to be some things your boss tells you to do that you're not going to want to do. However, it needs to be done to get the job done. In trading, I always see the paperwork as that element. You know, it's something that as traders, it's not overly exciting to do, at least in the early days, um, once you understand what it actually means and you get a little bit more excited to do that because you know it will result in progression. Uh, but I'm seeing discipline, self-awareness and work ethic. Are you agreeing with me there with what you just said? Hundred percent, hundred percent. And on your point there about the the paperwork, and that's a good way of putting it, homework, paperwork. You know, if you look at new traders, they do probably hundred percent clicking trading, and then maybe do ninety five, and then maybe ninety. But if you look at more experienced traders, it's almost fifty fifty. In fact, some guys I know it's, it's the other way around. They do twenty percent trading, eighty percent study, because they know the answer to the next big number for them on the year is in their trades, in their performance, in the market conditions. They'll sit down and they'll do stuff like, hey. You know, so on an opening drive day of X type, how often do we tag the overnight high? So there's market study and market analysis, and then there's self-analysis, and that's going through your trades and saying, actually, you know what? If I just stayed out of the first five minutes, I would be up far better. And just finding these little nuggets of value in your performance that you don't get just by sitting in front of the screen. Of course, we've got to perform. Of course, we've got to trade. That's, 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 that's the given. But spending more time doing the analysis and the study of of yourself and of the market without any trading element involved is a massive winner. The ROI from that is just just huge. Um, But like you say, it can can be boring. It can feel boring. But it's not boring once you've done it and you found something really strategic that's going to boost your edge massively and you go, hey, you know what? I've almost found a little nugget of gold here. All I've got to do is make this slight tweak to my strategy or remove this from my strategy or add more size to this type of play and something will reveal itself and you go, hey, the numbers then you can do run the numbers and go where would i be if i did this and had the performance ah then it becomes a little bit more exciting mm, yeah absolutely once you start seeing how that can transition into into profit essentially uh you can you can start getting a little bit more excited let's let's transition a little bit we spoke earlier on we've mentioned a few times you're starting to look to see if you can hold your positions a little bit longer so we're talking short-term opportunities we're talking long-term opportunities do you also have a portfolio investment do you also look at long-term investments or are you nearly in that that short-term to medium-term trading yeah i don't have any long-term assets in in the stock market i, I can't mm. do it i 
I, you know, because if I I've, I've tried it before and I've gone okay, maybe I should you know have have a ECF running away, a running or, or some sort of tracker, fund, but I can't do it because if I'm trading the underlying market and I think that I'm would do a downturn, it's frothy. I, I just can't do it. So any long term stuff is in business interest, property stuff. I just don't don't have anything long term in the market, and maybe that's a flaw. Maybe I, I'm missing out on it. Probably am, but I prefer to have a clear head, not have any kind of biases and just go listen i want to trade this for what it is um and and try and get as much as i can from a short-term perspective and use capital leverage and then you know invest in other things and and do that so i don't i don't um yeah i just can't i just can't do it's not something i've been able to do maybe one day i'll be able to be more bit calmer about it but um i've got someone who's executing trades for me at the moment and i'm kind of building them up and getting them used to doing the trades for me so adding that separation and you know training him up to help me out and to manage the positions a little bit more actively you know maybe that's going to start to be less sort of short-term orientated on things but i like listen man i love short-term trading i love looking at the markets on a you know week basis a day basis an hour basis yeah i don't know I, I don't really honestly i prefer i think i'd have a little there'd be a bit of grinding going on in my brain because my investment brain be like, oh, you want it to chug up, don't you? Yeah, you want it to chug up nicely and just a nice steady chug. And then my trader brain would be going, nah, you want some sort of catastrophic event to kind of swing the market down and then to be able to ping it back up again. And so, yeah, long answer is no, I don't have any long-term stuff in the markets. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously your, your long-term stuff is is elsewhere in business ventures, in, in property and whatnot. I was, I was going to ask, what does diversification play in your role as a, as an investor, as a trader, and including in your short-term trading? Now, obviously, I don't understand how you take your positions. You teach people to trade on your behalf as well. Are you diverse in that? Do you have a couple of different strategies, a couple of different assets? Does diversification play a role in your portfolio? Um, in the traditional sense, probably not, because I like to, if I feel like I've got an edge and I feel like I'm in tune with the conditions, then I just want to press and press as much as I dare and I can whilst it's there. Um, But if you kind of took a zoom back and go, okay, have I got different ways to trade different conditions? Then the answer is yes. You know, I'll say, okay, this feels like a very rotational market. Let's trade a mean reversion type strategy. Let's yes, let's use you know a strategy like a VWAP extension or something like that. If we're going to kind of talk about strategies, you know, otherwise, if we're using a momentum ignition type trade, then I want a kind of explosive environment. So I use, I try and pick the right tool for the job, but I won't run them all at once. You know, I'm, I'm very much a case of okay, if I believe this smart market's going to uh, do a volatility breakout type type trade environment, I won't suddenly take a mean reversion trade. I'm like, is it gonna, is it gonna trigger this volatility breakout or is it not? And if it is, I'll take it and I'll try and get as much as I can out of it. If it hasn't and it doesn't, then fine. And I'll keep trying that while I believe that's the right conditions and the right thing to be doing until I go, hey, I think we're in another another environment now. I need to maybe start fading some highs and lows and playing that game for a little bit until this resolves itself. So, yeah, I, I mean, so intraday ton of stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm a very different trader in, in, in that respect, Jordan. And a lot of people will trade, you know, a little long and they'll go short. They'll trade mean reversion. They'll trade extension. They'll trade trend and stuff. I find that I'm far more effective and can do far better if I just have an idea and a roadmap for the day and then I watch price to see if it supports that idea or negates it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, right? I'll very rarely then go, I'm wrong when I'll start doing this. I'll go, okay, fine, I'm wrong. When I'm right and things start lining up, 
and things that I've thought are going to happen start to happen. It gives me more confidence to push the pedal down, gives me more confidence to get involved, to hold trades longer, to really extract as much profit as I can from it. And so, yes, whilst that means that my frequency of trade might be less and maybe I miss out on days when I'm wrong, on which I'm very often, very often I'll get the, the day type wrong. But when I'm right, confidence is high and I can, I can, you know, I can do well on those day types. Mm. So that's like you developing your edge. It's first thing in the morning, having a look at how you believe the day is going to unfold. So you can get that probability factor in your favor and then trade in accordance to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'll, I'll, I'll kind of run in clusters of days. So I'll go, okay, listen, we feel like we're in a, you know, we're in a, we're in a kind of extension type mode at the moment. You know, are we, are we still going to rerun in? Are we still, are we feel like, are, are we going to have an exhaustion type day? And I'll try to, um, consider where i think the daily candle could end today you know i know it sounds like a bit like your fortune telling but that's what i'm trying to do i'm kind of go okay listen i look at the daily chart would a big green solid candle make sense here you know would would we kind of could we dip below support and have a little a little wick to the downside and and put it into the bigger frame and the bigger picture whether we've got you know what's the catalyst what's the engine of the market at the moment obviously inflation at the moment covid before this type of stuff put together a kind of theme and go hey the answer might be i don't know we're in a kind of range-bound environment and nothing's really happening. We could be red day, green day, doji. I don't know what's going on, so I won't trade. Other days, maybe we've kind of run, we've had a high tight flag and and we've dipped below the low of that flag yesterday and then closed at highs. I'm like, wow, you know, I need to get long at the open because I can really see us blasting and, and putting a big, strong green day in and closing the highs. And so I will then adjust and adapt my my day trades to accommodate that that bigger idea. Um, and. and and that just, I mean, that's, that's something that kind of evolved over time that I used to come in and just trade and be blank and just say, what's the day going to give me? But especially if I'm now looking to try and hold a day, a trade, like a full day or a couple of hours at least, and then maybe get a two or three day extension on it. If I can get one day and go, right, I can sort of sit. The way I think about trades, this is you've got the takeoff, the cruise and the landing, right? So the takeoff is putting the risk on very risky time you get on there you could get stopped blah, blah, blah. but once you have a bit of unrealized pnl there and the trade is working in favor you can relax a little bit you can widen the stop you can kind of oh, breathe a little bit that's the kind of cruise and then as it's sort of coming to a target or coming to a key level or whatever it may be that's when you're a little bit more alert the trade's coming to its landing point like okay i need to maybe look at taking a little bit off here i need to maybe pull the stop up i need to be a little bit more aggressive with my management and so for me, I'm always trying to get a trade into the cruise. I'm trying to get it out of that takeoff point, get me some unrealized PL, and then go, right, now can I really, really push this and see how far I can take it? Or is it just an A to B trade that I'm just going dun dun? Um, so that's that's really the way that I kind of look at stuff is, is having that roadmap before I go into the day. Yeah. You mentioned you do it in a in a cluster of days and especially in in recent times, like very recent times, as we discussed just before starting to record here. We've all eyes on interest rate decisions, all eyes on on the Fed and what where we're moving. SVB's collapsed. Uh, it looks like bond yields, everything's indicating to no interest rate hike in two weeks after potential 50 basis point interest rate hike. How much does the macroeconomics affect your day-to-day activity? How much does it affect your prediction on those cluster days, your risk management? Does it play a big part in your trading? Yeah, I would say I'm aware of what other traders are thinking. I'm not a macro expert. 
you know, I don't understand that. I mean, I understand the basics, obviously, but I don't mm -hmm. understand as much as these macro geniuses who are really digging. And to be honest, mate, I don't even think they understand it, but that's by the by, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to dig that deep into it, but what I want to dig into, and this is where I believe we really have short-term edge as traders is understanding how price responds to bullish or bearish events. And I put bullish and bearish in kind of, you know, in quote marks, because What's a bullish event? Well, it doesn't matter what it is, but if it's perceived as it should be bullish, but the market responds differently, you're getting a really good insight into what's going on there. You know, and so I I understand and know what traders are looking at. What's important to the guys with who are far bigger, well, more capitalized than you and I, they're chucking around billions. What are they thinking? We all know what they're thinking. That's the engine of the market. At the moment it's inflation, or you could say it's the bank contagion, right? This is the very point we're doing this, but there's an engine to the market. How are they perceiving? How's the bigger money perceiving that? It might be bullish traditionally, but does price react to that? Is price confirming that? If it is, maybe there's a trade on there. But sometimes the very best trades come from when things are really, really bullish or really, really bearish and price responds in a different manner to expected. You know, so let's say some really bearish. I know it's very different at the moment with with um, yeah. job numbers and interest rates and stuff. But let's say something really bearish came out, and the market maybe went lower a little bit, but then it just started to rally, rally hard. That's telling you and giving you a little glimpse as to the supply demand, true supply demand imbalance. Because if it can't go down on bearish numbers, then you need to be getting long or looking to get long. And so, long answer to your question. Yes, I do. And I'm, I'm absolutely understanding what is moving the market and fueling the market and, and what traders are thinking. But I, I like to play like a chess game. I like to think, okay, so if that's happened, how are people perceiving that? How would I perceive that if I was a fund manager trying to allocate assets? How would I perceive that if I had my back against the wall with this position? How would I perceive that and put myself into these different shoes and go, okay, is there a perfect storm here where Actually, a lot of people started shorting this, and now they might have to cover this. And actually, blah, blah, and then really thinking and anticipating how the move uh, could unfold. Now, I don't know; I've got no idea. But I, 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 that's how I, that's how I kind of look at stuff. So I'm not really a fundamental analyst. I don't really look at that much. But I look to say: is it bullish? Is it bearish? Is it very bullish? Is it very bearish? Or is it just meaningless? Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic! It's good to get an insight on on how you have a look into it. Uh, we trade a little bit differently, so I'm always intrigued and curious. I guess that's that trader coming out of me. We're always curious about something or what what someone does. Um, so I appreciate you sharing. Look, other than attending DayTraders.live in June in London, where can people find more about you? Where can people reach out to you? What's the best place to go? Uh, if you go to tradersmastermind.com, I do a free daily email. I write an email every day, and it's a thought. It's a little, a little insight that's that's just it's to keep your mind right. It's more a case of, you know, get your discipline on point, keep yourself focused on the things that matter in the day. And then I include a little resource as well. Something that I found value from might be a podcast episode, uh, that have you and I write those. So, you know, if you want to, if you want something like that, then that's there. Uh, I do a podcast as well. Uh, I've got a few videos on YouTube. Um, so yeah, you can, and you can, if you want to contact you, contact me through the, through my website, then I'll, it'll, it'll find its way to me. If it's a if it's a good question and it's something I always try and help, I'll, honestly, I'll I go out of my way to try and help traders. If it's a good question, if you ask me a stupid question like "Where's the Dow going to be tomorrow?" then it'll just go in the spam. It'll just be deleted. But if you're asking me something and you kind of putting a bit of but you know interest in it, then I'll reply to you. I'm I'm happy to help any trader who's 
you know, ambitious and has got the right mindset and stuff and is asking the right questions and comes at it with, you know, the right attitude. So that sounds quite snobbish talking about that, but <laughs> I will help you. You know, so I'll leave, I'll leave you with this. Uh, I'll leave you with this question, Mark. Where's the Dow going to be tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> no look thank you so much for joining me i I really appreciate it i hope everyone at home watching this has has really enjoyed this as well i look forward to to meeting you in june as well if you guys want to attend this event where both mark and i will be talking tradersday.live you can come in get your tickets and uh, we'll be there in london in june mark have a fantastic day thank you very much Thank you very much, Jordan. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to the event in June in June. London.